0: it's monday you know what time it is frontrunner podcast collective is back on the air and today is very very special because today is the nba roundtable where we discuss all things leading into what we expect to be a very exciting run to the playoffs and to the nba finals and i brought on a couple guests first we're talking about a real one from the bay right Okay. Music aficionado rap list legend. The young key. Key, how you doing?
1: Hey man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's a pleasure to be on with y'all. Talk some talk some hoops. Nah, I'm really, really excited today. We got a lot to talk about. All right.
0: And making his return to the podcast. It is the Canadian Palmer, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Zach Lowe, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and the Canadian Ime Adoka. Oh man, Nico Muttelo, what's up?
2: <laughs> Not much, man. That's a, always a lofty introduction. It's hard to follow, but I'll, I'll I'll try get in on it tonight. I'm I'm glad to be back. I'm glad we're here with Key, and we got we got some solid topics to cover today.
0: We sure do. First and foremost, what I want to talk about is um, you guys watch your teams all the time. And uh, so we're going to kind of get a little how the first half went. Um, Some of the good things, some of the bad things, what you're looking forward to in the upcoming uh, 26 to 28 game sprint here to the playoffs. And uh, Key, let's start with you, because you and I have a little kindred spirit thing going on here. We had a report that came out of Los Angeles by uh, ESPN's Dave McMenamin and Ramona Shelburne in regards to a possible LeBron James going to the Warriors, which was quickly refuted. What's your thoughts on your on your team? What's your thoughts on uh, this little situation? And, and and tell me what you are looking forward to in the uh, I guess prorated second half.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Just starting off with the team, I'm disappointed but not surprised. I, I expected us to struggle a lot at the start of the season, especially in the first half. I think it's safe to say already, even with less than a half of the season to go off of, that the Chris Paul experiment was, wasn't was a good idea. It didn't work out as well as even I thought it probably would, which my expectations weren't that high to begin with. I think Uh, and it shows a lot that we got immensely better once he wasn't in the rotation anymore. Uh, I mean, with the LeBron stuff, yeah, I kind of just, you know, take things like that, and, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek. You don't really pay attention to that too much. I didn't put too much stock into that. I like, uh, some of the things I like about our team a lot is Kaminga. I like Kaminga's explosion, especially towards the All-Star break. He's been really good for us all year, defensively especially. I think you can make a case that he might have been our best defensive player for most of the year. Even even surpassing Draymond for good chunks of the season. So yeah, you know I'm I'm liking how we're looking going into going into coming out of All Star Break in this last little stretch of the year. You know, I think we can make a real a real real playoff stretch, depending on how we keep the same pace and how skilled we've been up. Well, the first thing I want to say is
0: Brandon Pazimski is the truth. I like that kid a lot. I like what he's brought to that team, which then now brings me to a guy who has turned his uh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you want to call this, but it's we can call it a drinking game, whatever the case may be. So we're going to get into the Houston Rockets. And, Nico, there is a lot to like. Um, it seems like you have a direction. Um, people are playing hard. Uh, oh, Absolutely. the offense actually has some sort of form to it, which is great. Yeah, didn't see that, a lot of that last year. So tell me what your first have thoughts were and what you're looking forward to in the second half
2: well before before I even get into it I think Keyshawn might have hit on the name for this podcast because I think uh all three of our teams could be described with this same this same sentiment he said um disappointed but not surprised I think overall coming into the year yeah uh, I If you would have told me this was the result, I would have been like, okay, yeah, this is about what I expect this team to do, but when they were coming in, it looked like it could be a lot more. I know, considering where the Rockets have been the last few seasons, this is a a really positive outcome, but... There were there were still a lot of things to get upset about throughout the year with Ime Udoka despite the fact that we had clearly taken a huge step up in coaching-wise, but it seems to be getting better down the stretch. I'm getting optimistic again. It sucks that Fred is out. I That is going to be a big problem for us and it sounds like Tari might not play too much down the stretch either. That's going to give some of the younger guys a chance to step up, but I think we're gonna probably end the year somewhere around like where I projected at the beginning of the season like thirty four wins thirty two wins, maybe if we get lucky a little more, but um on the upward trajectory, things are looking better, but not as great as you could have hoped, I guess.
0: Well, the one thing that you can say is that there is a plan. It seems like they were um, in Certainly, the mix yeah. when it came to uh, this uh, this last iteration of what we want to call the trade deadline, even though they didn't really get a lot of stuff done, they were in mm-hmm. the mix, and you can see that they're looking for a certain type of player. So yeah, the one yeah. thing we can say about Houston, uptick, now it's who is going to be there when it really matters when we're gonna make a, a run for it. So Yeah, I think it
2: was never really in the plans to make a splash this year. I the only trade I was looking for was sort of taking the club out of the bag with the Udoka and Jay Tate, maybe trying to figure something out there. But besides that, I didn't expect them to make a splashy move. Even the Steven Adams trade was a bit more than I
0: Thought they were going to be pulling off. I'm going to ask both you guys this question: storylines that kind of capture your imagination the first half of the year, or you know, up until the All Star break. What, what's kind of shaped your uh, viewing of the NBA and uh, kind of where you are with? 20 some games left to go do you have any mandates that you have seen in the nba or is there somebody or some team that you said okay that's uh i'm i'm in on this uh
1: yeah there's definitely been a few i think i'll I'll let you go first oh yeah Uh, there's definitely been a few i think the celtics are the big one i was kind of skeptical just because i'm not a fan of Drew Holiday's game, I think we've seen a lot that it doesn't really translate to the playoffs I and then mean, Prezingus' health it was also a big question mark going into the season, but like they yeah. they just been on another level like pretty much all season. They're clearly the best team in that conference and honestly maybe the best team in the NBA. I don't really I think outside of the Nuggets, they're they're probably right up there clear cut. So yeah, there's they're definitely a team I look and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going all in on them this year. If there's a year, it's their year this year
2: mm-hmm i i couldn't agree more with that i think they have kind of the perfect setup this this upcoming season the drew holiday i i do agree with you that he's kind of got overrated to this point but if you look at drew holiday versus marcus smart like we both can agree that's a huge upgrade and then bringing in someone like christoph's porzingis just like is a level of rim protection they have not had in this era. And then the three-point shooting is almost just a bonus. It give you it gave Tatum the chance to like develop his game going inside more. He put on weight this year, and it's definitely helped. This team is just exceptional. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs, and I'd probably predict them to be my title favorite when we get there.
0: I actually am really worried about Boston. Um, I know they play well. I know they look very—I just—I need somebody to go to the basket on that team. Tatum's been going to the basket more than ever before this year. I know, but in the fourth quarter, their efficiency is so bad. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: In, I mean, it's getting
0: better, and I
2: think like going into the playoffs, they 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 have a plan to get to the basket more than they did last year, and I think that's progression for sure. Considering I get I get what you're saying, though there is a reason to be concerned.
0: All right, um, I think the other biggest story line that I've seen is just the the scoring explosion. Oh yeah, everybody's getting fifty pieces. Like, everybody's getting 50. So my question is, is that we know the skill level is way better. We know that the bags are way better in the offensive packages and things of that nature. Um, Mm -hmm. We also know that the geometry of the court has changed just because of the spacing and the shooting. Yeah. What has surprised you? In the scoring, was was there a, like an individual event that you kind of went, wait a minute, like, or, or is this too much? Or was it just like, oh, no, this is these these boys got bags and this is what it's going to look like from here on out.
2: I think it's kind of like a little bit or an unintended consequence of this 65 game that this year that the people are coming out and making these huge, crazy scoring nights, shooting nights, because teams are kind of focusing in on making sure their players play exactly 65 games, have the best stats possible in those 65 games. And there also seems to be a lot of these situations where it's like, our game plan is just going to be to be heliocentric tonight. Uh, we've seen that a lot more than we have in past seasons where they just decide to play through one player. And it's not only for guys like James Harden anymore. It's random dudes throughout the league who can get, let's say, 12 position- possessions in a row. They go isolation. It's not not the most common, but we, we see it now. And we've never seen that before, basically, in NBA history.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, uh, my only surprise is no one scored eighty yet. <laughs> That's about my only surprise with the scoring today. I mean, even even with the level of skill defenders yeah. we have in the league right now, like with the Kawhis and the Dylan Brooks of the world and the Mikael Bridges and Drew Holliday, like a lot of these guys are just incredible shot makers today, I think is yeah. another underrated aspect of why the offense and the scoring has been so good. Like I've seen guys like Luka – and dame they're they're taking three point thirty five forty foot three point jump to with a hand right in their face and just going in every time so mm-hmm. i think i think i think it's just i think it just goes to show like i think it does just go to show like the skill level and the ability and like the ability yeah, to make and all these different ranges on the court and having the freedom and space on the court to for these guards and even wings who have these incredible like skill sets to use them to the best of their ability. Yes, sir.
0: When, when uh, logo LeBron went off, I was I was like, okay, this is a little too much. Yeah, when he got man, at and made it. I was cool. like, this is this is nuts. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into it. There's a huge debate going on in the NBA. We all know about it. Sides have been taken. Yeah, there have been border wars started over this. There might be some racial aspects to it. I don't know. But the Wimby-Set debate has gotten vicious. It's Mm. gotten ferocious. And uh, Wimby has looked great since the Mm. calendar has turned to 2024. So, we all know what those guys are doing. My question is, is there anybody else in the league that you are feeling as far as this rookie crop is
1: concerned? Uh, Yeah, there's a couple of guys, actually. I think the two main ones are Brandon Miller, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. him pretty much becoming towards the latter half of the first half of the season, the second best player on Charlotte. I don't think people necessarily mm-hmm. saw it coming. I know a lot of people were high on him, and he has a great skill set. But for him to jump into the role that he's kind of been forced to get into, and do so well at it so fast has been amazing. And another one who does that to an even higher extent is lively. Derek lively is probably the biggest surprise of the draft. It was for me at least. I thought he was good coming out, but I had no idea I was not confident that he would be able to step into the role of being the primary and only line of defense at at least at the time for that Dallas mm-hmm. team and do it as good as he's done it. Like his his defense and his just his his intelligence as a young player and where his intelligence defensively is at as a young player, completely blew your way this year.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the lively one, man. The craziest thing about him overall is, like, he got airdropped into a system that is more difficult than the system at Duke, like, without question. Especially asks more of him than Duke ever asked of him and he just has delivered on elements of his game that he wasn't asked to do at Duke at all to a higher level than, like, the rim running stuff and the moving your feet around the post stuff that he was doing at Duke, like the the secondary reads, the the off-ball screening, the, that kind of stuff is really, like, special from him and has improved this Dallas team a ton overall. Normally, rookies, they try to simplify things for them, and that has not been true for Lively. Same, I would say, for Jaime Hawkes. Jaime Hawkes has been asked to do way more than anyone ever would have expected. They're kind of bringing him in and saying, okay, can you be Jimmy Butler Jr.? And he's saying yes, to this point. Anyways, he's basically delivered on every single aspect that you'd be expecting from him, and showed that he can do more. And the fact that he's changing roles during a game, where he'll be like, okay, on this play, I'm going to be the secondary option, on this play, the primary, on this play, play the fourth option, that is veteran stuff. And he walked in as a rookie, able to do it immediately. I, I'm i so impressed with him overall. I think those two guys have been like, kind of like the best instant play in like a playoff rotation that we've seen in this entire draft and I think there's a lot of great players in the
0: draft Brandon Miller I was wrong on I didn't think the physicality I thought the physicality would be too much for him I didn't think he <laughs> would be able to bring the physicality that he's bringing um, it's It's worked out exactly the way it did in Alabama, which is crazy to me. He started (laughs) off really slow at Alabama, and then it was like, oh, hold on. I'm bigger, stronger, I jump higher, and my jump shot is wet. So guess what? We're going to score now. (laughs) The defense has been impressive to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that he would be able to physically handle the rigors of the NBA, so I'm impressed by that. So I am absolutely in on Brandon Miller because I just didn't. I thought this year would be the developmental year. I honestly thought this was let's get stronger, get him in games, run around LaMelo, hit a couple shots here and there, and then next year would be the year. But to see his game take off this year is a credit to him. And in credit to the work that he put in in the off season because he definitely went to work. Yeah. A guy that I also want to give some love to, we talked about Brandon Kozinski, but another guard that I want to give some love to, and actually I want to call out his coach a little bit, I want to go down to the Bayou. I wanted to go down to New Orleans. And Jordan Hawkins is playing well. We just need to get him more playing time. Can we get him more playing time, please? That would be... Helpful.
1: Just old.
0: Breaking news: We got Kevin Ollie as the head coach of the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Fantastic. Yeah, that Ron is being replaced, and the beard is gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you don't have a militant yeah. black man coach in Brooklyn anymore. That's that's sad. That makes me upset a little bit. As well,
2: well. man,
0: I wonder how
2: this makes Pistons fans feel overall, because the rumor last year when uh, Dwayne Casey was hitting the end of his rope was that Kevin Olley was the replacement and they had him like picked out in-house. And then they ended up giving Monty the biggest contract in coaching history and uh, it has not gone so hot. Now with Kevin Ollie coaching Brooklyn, if Brooklyn looks good down the stretch, I think Pistons fans might burn down the arena. We'll have to wait and see.
0: Oh well, they're having a terrible year, and uh, they drafted really terribly, unfortunately. And their team doesn't make sense at all. But well, Fantecchio is fun. I think Simone, I, I, Simone Fantecchio is fun. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> he he's fun
2: i i don't know so much if they've drafted terribly as much as they've like put terrible guys around the guys they've drafted so well, no
0: one can develop properly yeah. well that's the problem They're, if you got yeah. somebody who can't shoot and then you draft another person who can't shoot we have doubled the problem of
1: can't shoot and then you mm-hmm, find for the veterans sure. that can't shoot and then your old yeah, old where—that's yeah, yeah,
2: that, where I'm—I'm that's where I'm saying like it's—it's it's a disaster. Like Ivy, Ivy has developed as a shooter. He's been a solid shooter this year, especially down the stretch. And then if you're putting him with Cade, you're hoping Cade can eventually develop some sort of shooting form. And then Duran provides pressure to the rim, so you don't need him to be a shooter at other points. So now you need to be drafting three different guys you can mix and match as wing shooters on top of Asar Thompson doing whatever he's going to do. Then you kind of figure out if you can find a way to play Asar and Jalen Dern together. That should be your biggest problem right now. Not everything else that's a problem because you don't have any of those shooters that you needed to figure out the roster at all. I guess Bogdanovich, but like. One man is not enough.
0: Well, don't the, excuse me, don't the Pistons kind of remind you of like the baby Lakers in the sense they were always, they drafted the wrong guy in the sense of these are good players that they drafted, no doubt. Randall, the Russells of the world, the BIs of the world, everybody was a good player and they turned out very well, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But who was in their draft with them that the Lakers could have picked and then would have made the... You know what I'm saying? Like, the Killian Hayes draft pick. Who was in that draft? Mm -hmm. Halliburton. You know, talking about just 60
1: picks that happened Mm -hmm. with them. And I think the difference with you guys and the Pistons especially is you guys are developing these players at an extremely fast rate. And, uh, like... Even not as an entire player, it's like aspects of their game. Like, mm-hmm. look, look at B.I. Lonzo and cool Well, not really Kuzma. More just B.I. Lonzo. And Randall, even. The progression from year one to two, two to three, and then them leaving your team and obviously the continuing the progression. You guys were progressing these players like a oh, rapid fire rate, which I don't know if the mm-hmm. Pistons are really capable of. I mean, ivy's jump shot has improved improved incredibly fast but i don't know if that's something you can consistently look for from that organization to do <laughs> yeah, or like with the lakers so. you can trust the lakers are going to develop players fast so even if you guys do draft the wrong players it always ended up working out for y'all because y'all were able to develop them so i think that's the biggest difference between like you like the baby lakers and the pistons right now
0: yeah, yeah. for sure i gotcha i got gotcha. you. Well, let's get back on topic. Let's talk about a little bit about. Um, I was talking about Jordan Hawkins, and I wanted to show him a little bit of love, but uh, yeah. he's just not playing enough for me. He's just
2: not. I the point I was going to make when you were bringing that up is it, it is rough that he's not playing right now, but like that rotation is so deep. There's so many playable players on the Pelicans roster. And David Griffin really needs to be looking in the direction of a consolidation trade. But it just doesn't seem like that's on the horizon. Because I'm not sure who the consolidation trade would be for at this time. But they definitely do need to um, clear up some minutes for a few people. When I heard that they were involved in the DeJounte Murray news, I thought that was the perfect team. Like, I think that's a, a great situation where you could throw together some guys like Herb Jones, DeJounte Murray are actually pretty good one-for-one contract matchup for this season alone and then you could maybe build some other stuff outside of that I don't know but I think that that's the direction they need to be moving and they just can't right now so Jordan Hawkins is suffering.
0: Shout out, for
1: our UConn yeah. brethren, just
0: sitting on the bench, just collecting well, dust.
1: So tired. That, right that's I'm just think about that Pelicans team, which is why, like, until they make a move to free up, I think, I think they're the perfect example of too much of a good thing, where they have mm-hmm. too many players that are so good that you feel like you can't not play them, but a lot mm-hmm. of them don't really work together in a sense which is why i don't think they are good as maybe their talent on their roster is like their talent on their roster realistically with how much they played this year should be more on the lines of a top four to five seed but it's been towards the playing and they're they're on pace really to drop in the playing standings this year so i think i think they just have to i think yeah they need to do a consolidation trade i think they need to free up space I think they need to put they need to keep putting the emphasis on shooting. Like as long as you got if you if you long as you ride with Bi and Zion as your two best players, I think the shooting needs to be like the number one priority. Shooting and then you yes. know those need to mm-hmm. be the two priorities. So I'm very interested yeah. to see what they do. I'm also not the biggest Willie Green fan. As a coach, I think yeah, I think there's a lot of holes in how he how he goes into games the strategy he implements going into games and I don't really need yeah. the adjustments in games to make up for that like you see a lot of other coaches like Tom Thibodeau's a perfect example he may be he may not be the best at adjusting but he's really good at going in with a game plan that's gonna work at least for the first half really really well so the adjustments mm-hmm. may not be as as needed like I don't see that for Willie Green. He doesn't have, he isn't good enough at one thing to consolidate for his thoughts at the other.
0: Yeah. I think there's two things with that, Keith. You hit on a lot of good stuff there. I will say, thank you for the, kind of like the segue because we have a consolidation trade clip up on YouTube right now about the Pelicans. So go to YouTube, go to Front Runner Podcast Collective and jump on that. And I will give you my thoughts on it. So go ahead and get that. Subscribe, comment, all that type of stuff. I love it. Here's the other thing: Are we are we gonna get a serious Zion ever? Because I think until we get a serious Zion, you really can't make a a delineation move that says, "Hey, this is this is what we're doing." Right? This is where we are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's either A, we decide to move off of Zion or BI, whoever you decide, or B, he gets real serious, and then we can really decide what this team can look like. Mm-hmm. I think
2: holding them, both, holding them both gives you flexibility, though, because having BI on and Zion and all those draft picks Kind of makes you the number one team whenever that superstar does go on the market, because if your offer is Zion and draft picks or Bi and draft picks, whoever you decide to move on from by then, uh, it's really hard for other teams to beat that offer because those are two pretty high-level players for whatever team has that incoming.
0: That's if somebody wants to go down to New Orleans. That's what it's also gonna yeah. be about as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, but
2: there there is times when, like, like Damian Lillard just this year, like you don't necessarily get to where you want to go. And I think we're sort of trending more into the direction of an NBA where you don't always get where exactly you want to go. So we'll Amen. have to wait and see. Hey,
1: Amen. Yeah. Well, I I never want to live in Minnesota. Hate the cold. I hate the snow. If you throw that max contract at me, though, I might start reconsidering. You
2: know, like yeah, money You're on. you're right. Uh, that's another factor with the cap going up and up and up. Yeah, the money. Like, the money will make you do. Yeah, a lot of you're of in one, one of, you're of those doing. markets.
0: Yeah. Well, Pascal Siakam is in love with you. Indiana, so yeah. there you go. Mm-hmm. So, Damn right. All right, we we beat around the bush long enough. This is everybody's topic, okay? Chet, Wimby, Rookie of the Year. Where do you guys stand? Let's let's get into this debate because I'm sure I'm sure people have uh, different opinions.
1: Now, I'll be honest. If you would have asked me this maybe two months ago, I would have said it was clearly Chet. Like, you no, know, Wimby mm-hmm. was Wimby has been good all year, but it was clearly Chet. Like yeah, I agree. playing. He just looked a lot more polished at the start of the season. But going off of like these last uh, fifteen to twenty games, Wimby has <laughs> like Wimby is looking like the first unicorn player to actually do all the crazy things we've been saying. Like we've always been saying this guy seven foot with a with a legitimate point guard handle, could block a sh- could block a shot, could block a three pointer from the yeah. fucking free throw line, like He's he's great. I think he's uh, last eleven games he's been averaging twenty points a game and ten rebounds. The only game he didn't, I think he had a sixteen ten and ten game triple double. He just recently had a twenty uh twenty ten and ten block triple double game. Like mm-hmm. he's really been Wimby has really been turning it up, and I think mm-hmm. now it's a legitimate composition. I'll honestly I'm starting to lean more towards Wimby now. I want to see him keep this up. For more, if he can get like, if he can keep this twenty and ten or twenty and eight, twenty and nine with three blocks, if he can keep this up for twenty five, maybe thirty games still to end out the season, I think I think he mm-hmm. could edge it out. Right now, I still probably lean towards Chet because he's been better for longer. But Wimby has definitely made this race way more of a competition than it was to start the year. Yeah. Before you answer, Nico, let me throw this out there too.
0: There is a difference with Chet. And Wimby in this aspect, in this aspect alone, Wimby is the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay, very sure? all the planets move around him. Mm-hmm. Chet is a star. He he's a planet. He's a star. He, I don't even think he's a. I don't even think Planet. He's a planet. planet. I don't know. Not he not might be like star. a satellite planet to a planet or whatever. He, but here's the one thing I will say about it. Jalen Williams, the second Jalen Williams, not the one from Santa Clara, Mm -hmm. you took him out the lineup, you put Chet in the lineup, they are at the top of the West. That is Mm -hmm. what we know. So between the two guys, they both made a difference in different ways. One Mm -hmm. being literally the center of the universe, and then the other guy just coming in and replacing Guy, and it all clicked. So we have a really spicy race building up, and it's kind of like eye of the beholder, which one do you like more? Do you value winning? Do you value playing meaningful minutes down the stretch and flourishing in that role, or just the brilliance of win by Yama? Mm -hmm.
2: I, I think realistically... I'll just be frank about it. You watch the season, you watch the two players play. Chet has been the better player. I. There has been flashes from Victor, absolutely. Here and there, there have been moments he's clearly the alpha and the omega. A, a triple-double with blocks has not been done in a long time. There's several things you can point to. But Chet has been the better player. On a winning team, he's contributed in so many different ways that you can't even like quantify. The problem is, you look at Victor Wenbanyama, and if I told you that guy was a league MVP next year, you would not be surprised. You would know that that's a potential thing that could happen. So when you have a player like that fighting for the w- Rookie of the Year award, And you know with posterity, we're going to look back at this at some point. I remember before Chet's uh, year in school, when there was the head-to-head matchup between Victor and Chet, it was obvious then who was going to be the guy going forward, who was going to be the guy who reshapes this league. Chet is a great player, I believe a better player at this point, but... It's gotta be Victor because you going forward, we're we're gonna look back on this. And this isn't a Malcolm Brogdon, Joel Embiid situation where someone hasn't played enough games. Victor has been playing all year long and you you just can't go for the other guy. I'm sorry. He's gonna be a multiple time all-star, maybe all NBA many times, but he's not gonna be the guy who reshapes the league the way Victor is. So yeah. You just can't get it. I'm sorry; it's so not fair, but it's that's what it is. And just for full
0: disclosure, just for full disclosure, we did offer the chance of a Thunder person to come in. Uh, Mm -hmm. Champagne Jerry from the OKC Talking Thunder podcast. Want shout him out. Some reason we couldn't get him in, as far as that's concerned. But I would have loved to hear that debate between you two when it comes to yeah. that. So but mm-hmm.
1: go ahead, Keychan, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna ask because something Nico said that really jumped out to me. How do how do y'all feel in here about winning and the impact of like being on a winning team for rookie of the year specifically? Just because like when you think of rookies, ninety percent mm-hmm. of the rookies will be in contention for rookie of the year? Are gonna be on bad teams and in bad situations. That's yeah. what happens. The worst team gets the number one pick for reason. That's just how mm-hmm. it goes. So I've never really understood holding winning to a criteria level. I think the only year it kind of even somewhat made sense was a couple years ago with Scotty, just because of the level mm-hmm. of play from the rookies wasn't as high as it's been now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to get y'all thoughts on like how y'all feel about that. Like I've been hearing that a lot recently with. The winning, yeah, where he's on the winning team.
0: It's it's this premise and this premise alone. It has nothing to do with the actual winning part, Keyshawn. What it has to do is with he has to play well for that team to be successful, and he has to play a certain role. He's never wilted in this role whatsoever. He's actually thrown some other things on top of the other stuff that we thought we were going to just ask him to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the circumstances of winning. It's how you're flourishing in the role where usually rookies are just out there like, Hey man, go out and score points and see what you can do. And hopefully win, win, win some games, but no Chet is in a specific situation. And I actually think he should get some credit, not just for the winning, It's for what you have to do for this team to be successful. And you're doing it at a level where now they're at the top of the West. So it's like I said, it's, it's not the winning. It's the, it's what he's doing with inside the winning.
2: Uh, I think as far as I'm concerned, it's just like another category, another thing you have to factor in because Like, if I'm looking at players on the floor and one player is clearly contributing to winning basketball and the other player is not contributing to winning basketball at all but putting up better stats, I'm going to lead towards the player contributing to winning basketball. But when the player who is not necessarily contributing to winning basketball isn't doing so because his coach has decided, I'm going to run a power forward at the point guard position to start the year. And then as soon as we start running uh, was semblance of a real offense, Victor starts, I'll just be more straight up with it. And Victor starts looking like a real NBA player. It's it's a different conversation to a certain extent because, like, I get that Chet was contributing to winning basketball because he was put in that spot. However, Victor was put in a spot where experimentation was what was important. And he also has gotten better in that spot, like, working the way you'd like him to. So I think it's just, like, something you have to think about, but it shouldn't necessarily be the de- deciding factor in the boat. Cause you have to yeah. think like, what if you switch them teams? What is Victor doing with OKC right now? If he is on that team, what, what does he do to help winning basketball in that style of role? I think he probably does worse realistically, but it's, it's still a, a factor.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it's also kind of lazy, prognostication on other people's parts when they say, oh, he's con- he's contributing to winning. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're saying that he's doing that, no, really, Shea is doing that. You know, well, the yeah. collective is doing that. That bring, but his specific part in it
2: yeah, is yeah. massively important. He's bringing positive value towards winning. Like, Without his defense, that OKC team is entirely different. So you have to value in that factor that's absolutely contributing to winning.
1: All right. My question was
0: answered. (laughs) All right. All right, boys, let's get down to it. MVP race. um, Thoughts on it what you're looking for who's in your top 3 at this present time and what you're mm-hmm. looking forward towards the uh end of the year
1: the, this MVP race is kind of it's kind of hilarious to me just because I think it may be the most unpredictable one we've had in a long time like I legitimately have like six people who could be top 3 like mm. you have the guys like you have the guys like Shay like Shay what he's been doing like People like mm-hmm. when people a few years ago were saying that oh, he he's a good player, but his stats are inflated because he's on a bad roster. And for him to be mm-hmm. playing not only similar but now better because you get the defense with it now that he doesn't have to do everything on offense, like how he's playing and how he's elevated this team from a playing team to maybe one of the top two, well, pretty much locked in one of the top four seeds. I think all the top five, oh, yeah, are in the same will end in the top five this year. So Pretty much oh, locked yeah. him in as a top five. Season. Pretty much locked in top three. Yeah, and then you have Jason Tatum. Obviously, what he's been doing has been incredible for the for the Celtics this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jokic is Jokic, and Embiid. Well, Embiid got hurt, but Embiid was Embiid before yeah. the game. Um, I think it's really underestimated. He's kind of slowed down now. Uh, Tyrese, what Tyrese Halliburton was doing at the beginning of, of the season was mm-hmm. insane. Like he, he's, I think he's going to miss too many games too. Yeah, that's the thing. I think he probably may have missed, but you know, uh Tatum, Shea, you got those guys. You got Luka too, what luka has been doing has been mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, the man's averaging if I believe I had it correct, he's averaging like thirty four on forty nine percent. Like he's been giving you like eight and seven eight assists, seven rebounds. Like he's been playing incredible. So there's a lot of guys who I think can win it. I actually don't think there's a front runner this year. I don't think usually around this time, you know. You know, around this time, it was either Jokic or Luca. We were already saying that, or the year before, mm-hmm. you know, it was either Yo- it was either Jokic or.
2: It was MB until we got hurt. He was the yeah.
1: the front runner, I'd say. Yeah, but you know, we yeah. usually have one or two guys who we like. These are <laughs> the two MVP candidates. Like everyone else, kind of just fighting for second, for second, and third place. This year, yeah. I think any of the guys I named and some maybe I may have not gotten off the top of my head could win the MVP. This year. Mm-hmm. I think the MVP race is wide open this year, so.
0: Yeah. That's why can I interject one name? One yeah. name. I, I
2: think I know know who it is. Kawhi winner.
0: Mm, That's the yeah. one I
2: was yeah. Well that was my best but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say considering where this team has taken a step up to and uh, like the fact that we're not really concerned about the games with Kawhi this year, like every time Kawhi plays enough games and he's at Kawhi levels, there's like almost no question that's one of the top three players in the sport. And he's played since Harden's arrived with like a renewed energy. This is a different version of Kawhi. This is the best defensive version of Kawhi we've seen in, in, in years. And uh, very well, I think he'd be my pick for the best player in the league uh, right now, and probably the MVP. I think SGA would be up there for me as well. I, I'm i very high on what he's done for this organization and just like the steps that everyone else has taken around him kind of because of him is very apparent and it, it, that helps things a lot. I think Dagnall and him kind of have like a collective mind and it's it's worked very well. Uh, luca has been incredible, especially when Kyrie keeps missing games with injury but the guy i actually thought you were gonna say and he's not he's not in the in the top two or three yet but what jalen brunson's doing is pretty goddamn incredible to this point and what he's dragging this new york team to at the at this level like man this could be one of the top two seeds in the East when this is all done. I know Cleveland has got a decent hold on two right now, but New York's on their way up. And the way he's created for everyone else around him, the the level he's taken a step to, I think he's going to belong on ballots by the end of this season. Maybe not first place, but I think the top five is going to have to have his name by the end of the year.
0: It's all on how he performs with OG and out and Julius mm-hmm. Randle. If he keeps that team afloat and they stay towards that top of the East, then yeah. he's in consideration. But this little time period with OG and Julius Randle being out, is going to be critical to his MVP case for sure. Okay. My MVP race at this point in time yeah. is... I'm going to go out bold and say it. SGA is number one. Luka is number two. Jokic is number three. And Kawhi is number four for me. Giannis is fifth. That is my MVP. What this kid is doing with that young team, keep in mind, he's 25 and everybody else is under. Except for Gordon Hayward now, right? Yeah. So... I think what he's doing is uh tremendous. I I love his game. And uh yeah. they're super competitive. I I wanna give it to him right now. You know, so yeah, if everything absolutely. plays out the way it is, he would be my MVP. Okay.
1: Uh Craig McCormick. Yeah,
0: I think that's that's great
1: pick. Oh yeah. Craig McCrone, Dallas is six or seven in the standings right now. six. Uh, six. Yeah, something like that. Because Six. if Luka can, because Dallas, I think in the West has the second easiest schedule post All Star break. Mm-hmm. I think behind the Warriors, if yeah. he can continue playing at the level he's at, and they and like they jump up to maybe five, maybe mm-hmm. like and maybe four again. I think I think he also I think he really has like I think he could really make that jump. This second half of the season gonna be very interesting. The NBA yeah. is going to come down to really the last like five games of the season. I think mm-hmm. we won't really know who's going to win until then. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're I, actually I, seventh right now. Just so you know, they the yes, Mavericks are seventh. The, the yeah. Pels
2: are the sixth. Pels are, think, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one more guy. Sorry, I mentioned Jalen Brunson getting his name on the ballot. Something we haven't really heard about at all, despite their crazy winning streak without. Some of their best players. Donovan Mitchell might deserve his name on the ballot as well. He's been pretty incredible this year and drug this Cleveland team to the top of the standings and probably in a place where I might pick them to win a playoff series, maybe two playoff series this year, and I would not have projected that going
0: in. Yeah. Yeah. I am with that. I think the only thing that holds him back is, I hate this. I hate this about the people. I'll take this back. It's the thing that brings me the most disdain about the voters for MVP. They're Mm going to hold his playoff situation last year against him.
2: Yeah. I wonder, I've heard that. I've heard that before, but I wonder if his specific like playoff triumphs previously might get it to a point where people are a little dissuaded from that like I know that that New York series is very fresh in a lot of people's minds but I think that kind of given the way he's performed this year and and the way other people are there there might be some people who give him give him a look and again I'm talking like a fourth or fifth place vote on a ballot.
0: All right. So, let's get down to it. You guys have watched like 50 plus games from a lot of teams, whatever the case may be. How do you think this all shakes out? What's what do you do we have surprises in the sense of do we have a non-Laker Golden State playoffs? Are we are we looking at the ascension of the OKC Thunder as as a as a Golden State Warriors 2.0 to the NBA finals? What are some of the things that you guys are seeing or can kind of predict out to the rest of the end of the year?
1: Uh, I think mine's is actually the opposite. I think the biggest surprise will be a jump up for Golden State and the Lakers towards the end of this year. I mean, throughout the 2020s, both those teams have been routinely second-half teams. Like They struggle in the first half. First half kind of like the rope-a-dope until you get – to the All-Star break, and then it's kind of turn it on because we got to make playoffs. I think both teams have been like that. I think both team star players have been perfect examples of that. Steph, which you're already starting to see it now with, I think, both of them, especially Steph. Mm-hmm. Steph has really started to turn it on right before the All-Star break. I think another big surprise is I would not be surprised at all if teams like the Kings and the Pelicans fell out to maybe, like, them falling to the 9 or 10. The Kings' schedule... Post All Star Break is dreadful. It's 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 a dog fight every game for the majority of their post all star break time. And they're already in the slump as it is. So I think I think that's the big one. I think the east is pretty much locked. I don't see any big surprise coming out the east, but the west that six to ten is gonna be a dog fight for mm-hmm. for the next fight for pretty much all the team in that range. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most
0: exciting part of this, is what is on the back end of the West. Mm. Like, Listen, no disrespect to OKC. Okay, I love them. I love the style of play. I love watching them. I love the, the renaissance of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I love that Rudy Gobert is not being as disrespected, even though he's probably my least favorite Frenchman in the league. But the, you're right, Key. The back hit, the back half of the West is an absolute bloodbath. You got the Pelicans sitting at six. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I mean, this is going to be just prime time TV. I can't wait to watch it. Um, yeah, I do have one. I do have one thing. If LeBron keeps playing around with people's emotions like this, they're not going to make it you yeah. just saying yeah, but this, like, when I'm, you I'm so out? tired I'm so tired of the soap opera the days of our lives type situation that mm-hmm. we got going on here like listen I knew that the I knew the hourglass emoji was gonna come I knew it because he can't help himself I knew it was gonna come mm-hmm. the Knicks towel okay bro okay we getting a little your fit going into that game Okay? Then everything dies down. We hear about the Golden State Warrior trade rumors, whatever. Everything dies down. Mm -hmm. Until yesterday. LeBron says, I'm happy in LA. I want to stay. 30 minutes later, 30 minutes later, the athletic comes out. LeBron was on board with Zach Levine or DeJounte Murray coming to the Lakers. Bro, you are the demise of your own squad? I just want to let you know. So when the Lakers do not make the playoffs, no, they're you making better point it. the finger at
1: him. He better point the finger at him.
2: They're, they're coming. They're coming.
1: Yeah. I, I, I get what you mean, but as as a Warriors fan, twenty sixteen taught me. I, when it comes time for when we get to playoff season, I can't. I can't bet against. I can't bet against no. the
0: playoffs. No until he's dead dead in the ground (laughs) the player I love the player I love King James as a player I absolutely love Mm -hmm. this little passive aggressive and see that story didn't have to come out Nico that's my problem
2: it's like you could have left it it with
0: I'm happy in Los Angeles and I want to finish out the rest of my career yeah well but
2: it's always gotta it's always gotta have the LeBron twist to it.
0: And I think sure.
2: I think his mind, the way he is perceiving this coming out, is him saying, I'm happy, I wanna stay in LA and then him saying, Yeah, I wanna stay so much. I want you to make these moves so that our team can move forward into the future with these players. Like Zach Levine specifically, well, actually both of them, DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, guys signed to long-term deals. It's, it's kind of like him communicating that while also being like, hey, make some trades so there are some better players around me. Because that's what LeBron always says. That's what LeBron James of it all. If you're, you're signing up to have him on your team, you're going to get that comment made in the public.
1: I'll well,
0: this is my on. hope. Hold on, key. Give me one oh, second. This is my hope. I hope that D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis take out their corn rolls and and roll up a pack of new cords in their in their t shirt and beat the living hell out of LeBron and tell him to shut the hell up. Uh, How about that? There. Nah, that's <laughs> that's what that I
1: want. Can I get that? No, okay. okay. uh, go ahead. Too. I think the the funny thing about the Lakers too is I, I don't think a lot of people have realized this. As much as like this is the most we've seen LeBron and A D play together since the tank since they joined together. They're they they have not been really healthy this year. The Lakers have not really been healthy this year. I don't think we've seen a game where Cam, Vando, and Rui all played together. I don't think we've seen that yet yeah. this year. Like their their surrounding cast has been very in and out this year. Which mm-hmm. I think would not be the case so much after All Star break with the break they have coming up. I think, yeah. I think a healthy Lakers team. I think is definitely. I think having those role players back and having that versatility is really all they're going to need to push themselves into the playoffs. And the, with the LeBron antics thing, look, I get it. <laughs> it's tough, but well, this has been LeBron is like pretty much since since he came back to Cleveland. Like LeBron, yeah. LeBron antics and the Twitter bronze. Right. It's just something you gotta, you know, it's, it comes with the territory. I mean, I even, mean,
2: yeah, look. even at the end of the first Cleveland run, he was starting yeah. with it and then throw Miami. Yeah, so, I mean, like, you remember sure.
1: last year after they, I mean, the last year in Cleveland after they traded uh, Kyrie and they got all the new players, you know, LeBron, mm-hmm. I'm happy. I love, I love how the team's looking. And the next thing you know, instead of Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Way, you got Darren Williams and George Hill. Like, you know, it's, it just comes with the territory of, of being, of being a fan mm-hmm. of a LeBron team. Oh, when they finally turn it up, he turns
0: it up. Oh, mm-hmm. well, we're hoping for that. We're really hoping for that. Now, do you guys have any um, interesting Western Conference or Eastern Conference finals uh, predictions? Is there anybody in this mix that hasn't been there that you think will get there this year? Now, I or?
2: think it's time for the clips. I think they're they're in a good spot versus any other time in their career and they could get at least that far this year i don't think i'd predict for them to win the title but i think they could get as far as the conference finals this season
1: Hmm. i think anything for you i think this year is the last year of the old guard in the western conference line i agree whether it be whether it be the Clippers with Harden, George, and Kawhi, or it be the Lakers, which is very possible, or even, you know, by some miracle, the Warriors. Because like, I, I think all the young teams that are really good this year are still too young and too inexperienced to go for a championship, even though they've been that good. Well, I think the old guards still have a year or two left of being really, really, really good. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised was. if we got, like, a Nuggets-Clippers or Nuggets-Lakers again or a Clippers-Lakers. Like, I don't think those – I don't think any of those – like, the combination of those three teams, I don't think would really surprise me in the Western Conference Finals this year.
0: Yeah, agreed. I guess my big takeaway, and and as a Laker fan, and and guess – Nico, you and I talked offline. We we do understand mm-hmm. that this might be the last year of my Laker fandom if a certain trade happens um, in the off season. But um, you'll get Trey and you'll like it. No, 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 stop, stop with that. But what I will say is, I can't believe as, as a Laker fan, I'm saying this. I think that the Clippers will win the championship. I have mm-hmm. the Clippers winning. I if you're giving that. me this. Ty, if you're giving me this Kawhi, this PG, you're giving me this Harden, and now Harden is a third dude, not leaned upon as much. I do understand the injury concern. I do, but Ty Lue, with this bunch of dudes and healthy, mm-hmm. I'm taking I'm taking the clips and I'm taking them to win, hoist the Larry O'Brien Trophy. I'm not even taking them to get to the finals. I'm taking them yeah. to take the whole
1: step.
2: Oh man, that's intense! I love my my finals prediction. I think if I had to make it today, would probably be Clippers Celtics, but I'd have the Celtics winning.
1: Uh, yeah. cool. little, I've i always said every time Kawhi has had a legitimate point guard playing with them, so he finds a way to win a chip. It happens From every time. For 2019, 2024, every time he's had a legit certifiable top level playmaker he wins a chip that being said i don't know if they fucking with them c's over there them c's i was like the yeah. meet, they look different they look the is c's it, look it's different. hard man. the c's look different and i uh, i think the biggest thing with that matchup because i do think that's going to be the finals matchup mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. while the c's right they have a lack of rim pressure which they really shouldn't because they have prison. They really should not have a lack of room pressure, but they do because they're a primarily jump shooting team. Mm-hmm. I think if there's a team from the west that that would work against, I think it'd be the Clippers because the Clippers haven't really had that yeah. that paint that paint stopper. Like they don't really have that. Mm-hmm. They don't have that guy who like I'm like they don't really have that guy who like I'm a deterrent for the paint. So mm-hmm. a lot of paint looks that would be harder against other teams. Are gonna be easier, and while I think they do have the perimeter threats to kind of throw the seas off their game, if they can't stop the paint, it's gonna open up those jump shots anyway. So, yeah, I got the Seas one of the chip. I think it'll be six or seven with them in the Clippers. I think it's gonna be a great series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers won it, but probably lean more towards the seas.
2: Both both those teams, it's about health. I think biggest what? for the Celtics, Kristaps Porzingis, if he can stay healthy, like. I, I can't see the Clippers beating them. You mentioned that that exact issue. You can't play Zubac at the five with Kristaps at the rim. You give the ball to Jason Tatum, he's getting to the rim, or Kristaps is getting an open three. Those are the only two options. So you're kind of screwed. I I agree with you there for sure. I just I I think Kristaps needs to stay healthy. Drew needs to stay healthy. Kawhi hard. NPG, all of them, I just I'm praying this is the year that we get no injuries, we've had it a few times in the past, it's not very common I'm praying, give me
0: one more Yeah I mean, like I said, this is unprecedented for me I've never been remotely interested in the Clippers at all <clears> but <throat> I can't deny how good they are,
1: and yeah.
0: here's the thing I like Tatum and Brown but Tatum and Brown haven't faced Kawhi winner. Like that's mm-hmm. a different animal when we are talking about when all the money is on the table. Mm-hmm. I think Kawhi's snatching that that money up in a dice game. I'm just saying he gonna win, man. So I'm, 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 yeah, both show. <laughs> well, I want to thank both you guys. Thank you so much for this roundtable yeah, cool. discussion. This was fantastic. I want to shout out Young mm-hmm. Key. You can find him on Twitter or X, however you like to call it. I know the Youngs want to call it X and posts and no, stuff like no that. One, but don't, man.
2: No one wants to call it.
1: It'll always be Twitter, uh, my part. Right? Yeah, that's
0: right. No he can He's militant. He's yeah. militant Keyshawn. So you can find Keyshawn at The, the Young, young key. key, and that is spelled Y U N G, okay? And now, Nico, I know that you've been long. You've been exiled from the podcast. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Going back and forth. Yeah. Tell the people what's coming in the next week. Tell them about the draft board. Tell them about what you're about to do, what you're about to drop. Let the people know
2: i uh, well i'm gonna i'm gonna finish up that top 30 there i dropped the top 10 on uh uh, the website already i it's pinned there on my twitter account if you want to go check it out i've got my top 10 written but i'm gonna come out with the top 30 i i it will definitely be dropping here before the end of the month i haven't nailed down the day 100 percent yet but i'm i've got most of it uh worked on and i'm just excited to finally bounce out some more uh notes on everyone and i've been putting it all kind of in my own cadence my own voice more so i'm getting better at writing in that way so i'm excited about continuing to put out projects like this hoping to get working on more of them outside of the draft going into the future so yeah we're excited
0: we are and i will say this is that um Keyshawn is is very close to to joining Front Runner Podcast Collective. Um, we've been in negotiations for a minute now. Um, I can tell you that the the contract negotiations have got heated. Yeah. Some some of these some of these con- some of these demands have have been absolutely outrageous. There was some about a private jet. Five times a year to go to like Cabo,
1: I was like the buddy.
0: I'm an I, I get. I got you. I got you on that. But well, we trying to bring Keyshawn to the fold, so um, we are we are welcoming him to the family. And, and what we're trying to do is we we're find, trying to find a spot for Keyshawn. But Keyshawn's into the music, but I think there's some basketball stuff, funny basketball stuff that we can do with Keyshawn. Like some internal
1: monologue of players and stuff like that, I would just love you know, to hear that. You know, I mean, you know, life life has life has been on the better end for me to start twenty twenty four. You know, found awesome. myself in a lot more free time. You know, financially just being more stable. So, you know, you'll, you might be, expect to see more of me in twenty
0: twenty four. Okay, There's that's exciting news. Few more. Mm-hmm. Nico, in your in your absence, I've been trying to make moves, man. I've been trying I to make know it happen. I've been I I've been on the back end. All right. Well, for everybody out there, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you for some of the technical difficulties that we've gone through. But when this pod comes out, it's going to be super dope. And when the clips come out, they're going to be super dope as well. Oh. And as always, as always, everybody stay easy, protect yourself, get yourself learned up. Keep yourself in these streets and also keep yourself on the know because we coming up on a uh, we coming up on an election year. So get your get your vote out, get your situation squared away because uh, it's going to get dicey out here in these streets, my man. It's going to get dicey. Just letting you know. Uh yeah. So, all right, yeah, man. God thank me. you so much. And uh, we out. i <laughs>